If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubinville, and welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in VC Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee. At all, As always at the table, I've got two of my very good friends on the right, the CEO and the, of the GOAT family of brands and the GOAT empire, Tyler Burnett. Tyler, we're so glad you're here today with us. Very excited to be here. And to the left, with a new shirt on for today, today's episode, yes. we call him the LinkedIn Whisperer. He is the calming force to the show John Byers. John, thank you for being here with us so today. So good. We have somebody somebody new. I kind of feel like it's a, a Max Headroom moment here. Back, remember that <laughs> back in the day? Uh, at, at the table with us is the CEO and president of the Nashville Predators, uh, Sean Henry. And he's he's at the table on a computer, but he's still at the table <laughs> with us. And we certainly appreciate, uh, appreciate you being here today. Things don't change for us, and we'll get into that in just a second. But in our 20s, they teach us to get in the game. In our 30s, we try to move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because those 30-year-olds are so damn good. In our 50s, what the research says, we finally ask ourselves, what is it that I really want? We serve it up in a way you, that you can get it. We're like Waffle House, and it's all about the GOAT or the greatest of all time. It's easy to see in sports. It's people that elevate the play around them. They're recognized for their greatness. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. What they do gives them energy, and it gives other people energy. It creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And, Sean, I know you've got all that right there and it all built up into the Nashville Predators, and so we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, John, it's your guest, so I'm going to turn it over to you and let you take it from here. Yeah, and thanks, by the way, to our partners, Dev Digital, for doing such uh, – Good work for us and for Nashville and kind of bringing Nashville to life. Bring Nashville to life. All, all things digital. If you're ever in Zambia, check them out too. They, <laughs> they have an office there. Uh, Sean, it is, it is just a thrill to have you. We are so excited. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you, you're in your 12th year here in Nashville and, and with Smashville. I think that that phrase to me has been coined since you've been here too, right? You're actually pre-existed. I think uh, the team ran a contest probably in 07 or 08 or 09, uh, just for a summer campaign. And Mr. Smashville came up with Smashville. And it was used here or there for a year or two. And then uh, they went away from it. And our whole thing, you know, I don't mind copying things. You know, Detroit's hockey town. Boston was the hub of hockey. We were Hockey Bay in Tampa. It was like, all right, we need something that's ours. And Smashville became it. And that was perfect. Now it's a way of life. Yeah, it's on our return envelope address and our business cards. And we are Smashville. And I love we can get more into this because uh, well, I'm not going to necessarily read through your bio, but maybe have you catch us up and summarize that uh, here in just a second. Right. But, but one I have of, no idea what's in it. Yeah, well, it, it goes on quite a bit and uh, is probably worth uh, reading to to uh, honor you. But we'll uh, we'll have you summarize that for us in a bit. But I love one of those other things that I think of is how 
Nashville and the Preds, and seemingly right around the time that you got here, how it has really taken over our our great city. And now people even say, you know, Nashville is a hockey town with a music problem, right? Like as opposed to pre-2010-ish, you know, Sean Henry being here, and we were a music town, and we still are certainly, but just having to play off of that has been so fun. So, uh, again, on behalf of the GOAT Consulting Podcast, we're gr- grateful to have you, thrilled to get into this conversation with you. But one of the ways that we honor our guests at first is to have you tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to today in that seat that you're in? Well, the reason my bio is so long is I'm old. I'm old enough to actually have gotten the Max Headroom reference. So <laughs> no one else did, by the way. So I did not, here. by the way. Oh, wow. Look it up. I gotta grab a diet coke now you know that's how old <laughs> it is that's right. um you know what uh I, i've lived a pretty privileged uh life and career you know I, I always tell people it's all i've ever done and you know they saw out of college you started no started when i was 14 years old um you know i i knew if i was going to go to college i was going to pay for it myself we're first generation college kids all six of us our siblings mm. And my parents were always going to drive us into that. And uh, so I got a job when I was 14 years old as a bus boy at Jones Beach State Park. And that company happened to service sports teams and colleges around the country. I didn't know that at 14. My whole goal was to have a job that the harder I worked, more hours I got, more hours I got, the bigger the paycheck was, and a place where I could go to the beach before or after work. You know, so Perfect it worked scenario. out pretty well. Uh, but I worked for them all through junior high and high school. And really late in high school, I had an opportunity to go to a couple of other accounts with them. And by the grace of God, I'm a Yankee fan. And that was one of their accounts. So as a young kid, I got a chance to go to the Yankee Stadium and, and vend in the stands, you know, peanuts, dishwash in the restaurant. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm working for the New York Yankees. Mm. Now, I don't know how many dishwashers ever felt that way. You know, if you've never been in a dish room, it's normally the hottest, nastiest place in every building you're in. Yeah. You put that in a 100-year-old building, and it's a lot hotter and nastier. And that's where it was at Yankee Stadium. But, you know, I, I, I thought, my gosh, I'm going to play for the Yankees or work for them, one, one or the other. <laughs> I had preference on one of them, though a lot of my coaches explained to me why that would never happen. Right, right. Um, you know, so fortunately, you know, I had a chance to work for this company all through college, uh, travel around quite a bit in college with them. You know, I worked full time since I was a senior in high school and uh, always maintained a couple of jobs through college. And I mean, I really, I happened to go to college while I worked. And that's the way I looked at it. Um, because everyone else's experience in college was, you know, their dorm, their frat or whatever, mine were through work. I commuted to school. It was great. But fortunately, if I did it another way, I don't think I'd be sitting here today because that same company started a management trainee uh, program for me that the day I graduated, I entered into it and I was going to go to four different accounts for three months each to learn, you know, different facets. The first was going to be the brand new home of the Detroit Pistons, the Palace of Auburn Hills. I say brand new for time reference because it's torn down now. Yeah. Second one was going to be the Harry um, S. Truman Sports Complex, which is Arrowhead and, and Royal Stadium. The next was going to be the Metrodome, home of the Vikings and Twins, torn down now. And the last was going to be Yankee Stadium, which is also torn down now. So, again, date myself a little bit. But I was fortunate. I showed up uh, in Detroit as a, the food and beverage trainee. I think about how low on the totem pole I was. Uh, most people didn't even know who the food and beverage company was within that building. Fortunately, the CFO and CEO were not those guys. And I happened to meet them the day I was walking in. I had all my worldly possessions packed up in my stripped down Nissan pickup truck. 
I was going to work a boxing event with all my stuff in the parking lot. And I, I ran into him day one. I looked like I was 12 years old. So they didn't understand what this, you know, kid that couldn't get an R-rated movie was walking in their building for and just started talking to them. And that three months turned into about five years. And I'm so thankful I'm going to work for them because they invented sports and entertainment business. Mm. I mean, truly, truly did. They were the first to really build their own building centered around all events with the center of it being basketball. You know, basketball will drive everything, but they wanted to harness the power of music and the events and the traffic that came through the building to make the Pistons brand bigger, make the Pistons brand bigger, the more concerts you could do. So I've never known anything different. You know, they were first building to be built around the design of signage and suites and hospitality, as opposed to how many seats can we get in this barn and maybe have bathrooms and concessions. So they really were, you know, the, the architects of what we've enjoyed. So again, I was fortunate. I stayed there five years and they let you do everything. The rule there was do your day job. And when you're done with it, if you do a good job, you get to do more outside of your normal scope. And I jumped at it. You know, at the time when I got there, they barely had a marketing department because, you know, they were, when I got there, the, I got there the day they got their rings for the second championship in back-to-back years. And at that point, I think they played in six straight or eight straight conference championships. So the brand new building, they didn't need to sell tickets. You know, the phone rang and that was their marketing plan. Hello? No, you can't buy any tickets. Hang on. <laughs> um, but, you know, sports goes in cycles and, you know, the team got a little bit old and uh, they found themselves having to sell tickets. And we ended up, as the food and beverage company, jumping into that and ended up doing a lot of their marketing and promotional aspect work. And it was great for me. I uh, ended up jumping into our sales and marketing side of our own company where we're selling our services to other teams. We started investing in, in accounts. We started renovating accounts, overseeing construction and design. And I was the guy that always said, yes, you know, I'm, I'm in. I'm in for learning something. Um, our old CEO was kind of a mentor of mine would always say, you would commit things that we didn't even do like invest and do the architectural work for, for the Pistons and the new amphitheater they just bought. I remember pitching the Rams in LA um, to provide their food and beverage service if they were to go to a new city, if they were to build a stadium. And in the middle of that pitch, I told at the time a minority owner, Stan Kroenke, who obviously owns the whole team now, I said, well, we'll do the lease for you. We'll negotiate it for you. He goes, oh my gosh, that would be great because, you know, we don't have anyone. And we left the room and my CEO almost killed me. He said, what are you doing? We've never done that before. I was like, come on, how hard can it be to negotiate a lease with the city? They're all public documents. You know, go on, build a Chinese buffet, select the best from each bucket, if you will. (laughs) And, um, you know, it always goes back to, you know, I'm being funny about it, but it goes back to hard work. I mean, it really, really does. You know, a lot of other people would say it's impossible to figure out how to build a a lease with a city. Well, it's not if you work a little hard. You know, at the time they weren't loaded up on the internet because the internet was barely spelling WWW at the time. But you could go to, you know, public services, newspapers, libraries, and get the last, you know, 15 NFL leases that were done and build what you'd want. And I always tell people there, there are a lot of reasons you can do things. There are a lot of reasons you can't. Whenever everyone gives me the reasons you can't do something, you can probably figure a way around it. And uh, that's what my whole career has been built on. So I moved around that company, got promoted a lot of times, more than I should have moved from Detroit to St. Louis to bring the Rams to St. Louis. Uh, the Pistons always stayed my account. You know, I ended up overseeing a handful of operations at the time. And um, the, the Pistons ended up investing in an HDTV company and, you know, pushed the founder. And there were two employees at the time. I was the third employee. 
to hire me to do all the sales and marketing. What was weird about that is I didn't know how to spell HDTV, let alone appreciate what it was. It was brand new. Right. And the reason it wasn't taken off in the country was there was no programming. There was no program because there was no hardware. So the whole premise of this company is we were going to you know, solve the dilemma, the chicken and the egg, if you will. So we had three satellite channels, which would provide us nine channels across. We were going to be the first to bring HDTV receivers and TVs to market. And it was, it was the best experience of my life. It was doing something so foreign to me. Um, you know, core is always sales and marketing. Um, but I jumped into it, learned a lot. We were the first to broadcast HDTV across the country, the first to broadcast a live event, the first to broadcast a live sporting event, the first to have um, HDTVs and receivers sold in, you know, mass, you know, multi-chain um, places. So, uh, so above, in addition to everything else, Sean Henry is also responsible for bringing HD to the market. I mean, this isn't like Sean, this isn't like Bob Dole saying invented the internet. Like you really did this. That was Al Gore. Or Al Gore, sorry. Sorry. It was Al Gore and and he did fund the original internet, by the way. Yeah. Well, there's always a base back to to legend. Um, But yeah, no, I was was really proud of it. The first ever broadcast was the John Glenn space launch, by the way. So, like, I can remember exactly what we were. The first movie ever broadcast was Jumanji that we overpaid for the rights wow. for it and then probably violated those rights time and time again <laughs> by playing it like a thousand times. I can't believe that you would do that. I didn't do it. I mean, someone else probably did. I was a benefactor of it. Um, but it really was a cool experience. But we also went bankrupt, which is an awful experience to go through at the time. Looking back on it, it was probably the best thing that's ever happened in my professional career. Because you do some things through that process. You just learn things about yourself, about others, about you know what's possible. We ended up selling the guts of the company, the broadcast side to HDNet, which uh, Mark Cuban had a, an ownership interest in. But the biggest lesson I learned from that is when I went back to Detroit and I was talking to the CEO and CFO of the Pistons, who both invested a fair amount of their personal money in the company. And then obviously the owner of the Pistons invested quite a bit of money as well. They never once talked about what happened, what didn't happen. They talked about all the successes with it. And then right away said, look, we were in the final stages of due diligence on, on the Tampa Bay Lightning, which just the year before they tried to buy and got outbid by a guy named Mark Williams. And that's what you help us finish the due diligence and the deal. And when we're successful, we want you to run the business side of the team. And so I thought, hang on a minute, man. I was just part of the company that went bankrupt, that you lost all this money in. And I'm telling you, it never once came up. And finally I asked them, because, you know, I was devastated. You know, my ego took such a hit and they said, well, yeah, it happens. You know, we invest in a lot of companies every year and, you know, once in a while one takes off, but for the most part they don't. But what we do is we always find good people. Mm. And, uh, you know, I always hold back to that, that success and failure can be measured a lot of different ways, but you do get to see people perform in a certain way, regardless of how you measure success or failure. And that's really when uh, my life changed completely. We moved to Tampa, my we moved to St. Louis when my wife was pregnant, moved to Tampa when my wife was pregnant. It seems like every new opportunity and move came when she was, you know, 12 months pregnant. And uh, what I loved about that is, you know, she was always in. The answer was always yes. Let's take on a new adventure. Let's try something. But when we bought the Lightning, it was an experiment. It was the first time we really looked past Detroit. We owned a couple of amphitheaters, some minor league teams up there. But it was, if it doesn't work there, we'll just move to Grand Rapids or somewhere, right? You know, this is what we were. And uh, I jumped in and we were the worst sports city in America. Mm. You know, we were the worst sports team in America. We took that title from the Bucks 
and the Rays took it from us, you know, the next year. And you, you fast forward to where they are today, you know, Champa Bay and how cool things are. Yep. But what was good about being so low on the business side, so low on every metric you could imagine, was you could try things. Yep. You didn't have to, you, we weren't afraid to fail. One, that was our mission anyway. Try some new things, don't worry about the failure. But the other is we couldn't have made it any worse. No matter what we did, it couldn't have been worse. Um, but, you know, we had a lot of fun. We tried some new things. We were the first to do a lot of things in our own industry. You know, the first to build an all-inclusive club, you know, which in our markets, the Lexus Lounge, you know, but the very first one was done in Tampa. Back when we couldn't sell a season ticket. I mean, truly, the reason we invented it was come out, have a great meal, have some fun, and see hockey. You know, but it was almost a secondary nature of wow. it. Um, but, you know, we did a lot of cool things. We really empowered our employees. And that was kind of the key to our, our success down there was, everyone go out and try things and, and have fun and move forward. And we locked arms with the Buccaneers and co-marketed a few things here or there. And a weird thing happened. You know, they won the Super Bowl in 03. We won the Stanley Cup in 04. Best part about both of our parades were their players were in ours and our players were in theirs. Like That's it was cool. just a, a fun time. So fast forward. And, you know, unfortunately our owner, who was the best owner in the history of sports, he had passed away in uh, 08. So we sold the team to a, a couple of guys that maybe didn't have the full finances to operate it the same way, ended up taking the team back and reselling it to the gentleman that owns it now. Around that time, I met Tom Seeger, who was the chairman of the Predators, and you know he really wanted to catch that same magic that we did down in Tampa. And I was just so fortunate the timing worked out, and he offered me the opportunity to come here. And the only reason I said yes was he said something that we lived by in, in Tampa and in Detroit. And he said, look, I don't – I want to win Stanley Cups. I want to be, you know, the best venue in America. And that's what's important. We got to chase being the best at what we are every single day. Knowing that we'll fall short more often than not, but we need to set ourselves up to be the best there is. And that's what we live by in, in Tampa and Detroit. And when he said it, it was almost like, my gosh, the best advice I ever got from Mr. Davidson, the owner of the Lightning and the, and the Pistons, was always find a great person to work for. You know, there are a lot of, you know, people out there you don't want to work for. So don't, you know, find that person who's the best person to work for. And I fell in love with our ownership group because they're all day one season ticket holders that bought the team to save it. And the only thing they wanted to chase was creating the best environment in sports with the goal of winning the Stanley Cup and being the best venue in America. And that's why I jumped at it. Never looked back. It's just been the best 12 years of my life. And I really thought I'd never have anything more enjoyable than what we did in Tampa. I mean, we won the Stanley Cup on June 7th. We won the NBA championship five days later. We won the WNBA championship two months later. Won the AFL championship 10 months earlier. So it was just a, a cool cycle. And, you know, we could do no wrong, though we did make a lot of mistakes. Um, but we never saw it that way. So it's it really been a pretty charmed life for me because I've always been put in these situations by really trusting individuals that allow you to go out and make mistakes with one mantra make those mistakes trying to achieve something special. And that's where we are today. Gosh, what a great, what a great story. I've got so many questions. Are you, you're dying to insert something from well, Marty here. Well, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I wrote down in thinking about this interview is that everything is an extension of who you are. Everything you do is an extension of who you are. What you do and how you act is your personal brand. And when you just said what you just said at the end about making those mistakes, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm good friends with Marty Mulford. And uh, I called him, and Marty and I go way back, and I know he was your 
senior director of tickets there in uh, in Nashville for a number of years. He was also the guy that my wife thought I was, I was having an affair with the first year I was here. Well, because, he, did, he did not tell me that. Uh, in the, let's put that in the things we think and do not say conversation later on. But, but one of the things that he said, Sean, it. is if you're – he said you said this. If you're not making enough mistakes, you're not trying enough new things. And, and so I said, give me some, some tangible examples of that. And so I want to read these to you and see if you remember these. He said, number one was the water fountain, and, a, and you put a nameplate at the water fountain. Do you remember doing this? Yeah, so, again, we're really successful right now because we listen to our fans. We listen to our partners. We listen to the community. So if five people tell you to paint a wall, one says black, one says orange, one says yellow, what I hear is paint the wall, like the color is secondary. Mm. So we always encourage it. But I remember this one guy was so angry at us <laughs> because his water fountain was broken. So I did something I never do. I, I issue famous last words. And I always say, never issue famous last words. In a horror movie, you never say, I'll be right back. Right? That's right. <laughs> I said, all right, the water fountain is broken. It'll be fixed the next game. Well, of course it wasn't. <laughs> and you would have thought I took this man's children away. He was <laughs> wow. so angry at me. And I, I, I kind of laughed. I said, you know, I, I apologize. You know, I mean, here's a bottle of water, by the way. You know, we have another water fountain 40 feet away. But I, I, I did say it. I failed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So one, I made sure the water fountain was fixed before the next game. And then we put his name above it. And we named <laughs> That's it. That's awesome. And Marty said, you can't do it. He's not going to think it's funny. I was like, well, if he doesn't think it's funny, I don't think it's funny, at least. And that's enough for me. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I love it. Yeah, everybody, but the best is he had his entire seating section out front taking pictures with it. Because in the end, what we do is fun. And a broken water fountain will ruin someone's experience. Mm. Like we always say, people come in to have a good time. And we get in the way of that sometimes with a broken armrest or you know, maybe a bad experience in parking or whatever it is. So let's fix it. But that was one where he had so much fun with that. Um, except the next year we built a bar in front of that area. <laughs> His naming rights got taken away or resold. Oh, no. His <laughs> naming rights. <laughs> Evolution. We, we've yeah. got several more of these, Sean, we're going to get into. But one of the ways oh. that we uh, we honor our guests is we like for to get their own definition of a goat. And so we kind of compile these and keep these over time. So would love for you to share your definition of a goat. You know, I, 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 I almost didn't come on this because I don't like the term goat. Mm. And, the main, and the reason is we all have a really bad reflex to fall to recentology, right? So if you name, if you ask someone to name the 10 best at whatever in, in basketball, hockey, football, business, clergy, little league, you might end up with three or four from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But 70% of the people will be active or just retired mm. at all times. I don't care what you talk about. I mean, if you ask people who the greatest baseball player is today, you'll end up with 70% of the list that are current or retired in the past five years. And, and challenge me on that. I mean, look at any list. The fact is the greatest baseball player ever by far without even comparison. And I'm not saying because I'm a Yankee fan, it's Babe Ruth. Yeah. You could argue, you know, he played, you know, pre-integration, which is all very, very real. But when you completely own every single record, when you retire, when you do something bigger and greater than entire teams were doing, to me, that's the best, mm. right? So Warren Buffett, if you will, is the GOAT 
at making money. I don't know if that's something we should always chase, but the man gave away 95% of his net worth. He weighed $50 billion out of $55 billion. And he gave it to Bill Gates Foundation, not even under his own name. And now he's worth $90 billion. And he laughed. He said, well, I kept $5 billion, guys. It's not that hard. Right. You know, like, so there are certain people that are, are so beyond the compare. To me, they're the GOAT. You know, so, you know, when Wayne Gretzky retired, if he never scored a goal, he'd still be number two in points, I think. Or maybe wow. even number one. Like, wow. You know, Hank Aaron, if he never hit a home run, would still have more hits than Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth, <laughs> Um, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., you know, whoever the other home run goats are. And to me, that's when you start looking at things and you, you're kind of redefined. So, you know, when people have done things that no one else has ever thought about, put you know, them in a category were, it, by themselves. Yeah. I mean, there are certain people that defined records. Yeah. You, know, you can't break a record that's not set. So, to me, the goat or they're the guys that set the records. And granted, I, I'm envious of Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, they won the best two Stanley Cups. But what I remind them all is, it's great, but you couldn't have won your second and third if you didn't win your first. Mm. And I always, you know, that's a, a, something I heard Jackie Robinson say. I didn't hear him say it. I read about it. I'm not that old. But he, <laughs> he said, it's a great quote. He said, I don't want to be known as the first, you know, African-American player because I can't until there's a second. You know, and that's a wow. really good thing to think about. That's so cool. to me, the goat kicks the door open and it makes sure it stays open for other people too, in all things. Wow. So I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but I, I do. We have this thread between me, my two sons, our neighbor and his two sons about the greatest basketball player ever. And again, it's obvious who it is. And it's no one that's played in the past, past 30 years, period. And that's where I sit. And what they call me is the old man. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, old man. Um, but I get it. You know, you, you want who you see to be the best. Did you tell him Bill Lambeer? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was a very good player, no doubt about it. But, uh, One of my favorites. He was, he, he was fun to be around, no doubt about it. I would love to hear those So stories. you you shared some goats in there, several, and appreciate that. Were those your official goats that you wanted to share for the episode? Man, I have not thought that far ahead. But, I, I mean, you can't go that wrong if you mention Babe Ruth and Warren Buffett. Gretzky, um, Mother Teresa, you know, there are, there are others that, again, their, their whole life has been defined by what they do and achieve for others. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. There you go. It is cool. And I, and I, I think I got to hear and be a part of uh, Pekka's retirement recently, and that was really special. And I think it's special being able to have you join us right after that event and having the stadium series here, which was super cool. In fact, you, you said that you thought, and I, I don't remember the words you used exactly, but something, some iteration of this is the most meaningful event that the team has ever had. Can you maybe correct what you said there? Well, I was really careful in what I said. I'm not rarely, I'm rarely careful, but I said it's the biggest week we've ever planned. Biggest week, yeah. And the reason I said I do learn from my mistakes, I said something along the lines of this is going to be the most special week we've ever had. And someone said, oh, hey, president, you moron, what about the Stanley Cup? Right. Uh, all right. It's the biggest one we planned. Um, but it, it really was because, you know, if it weren't for all those great moments, if it wasn't for the run into the Stanley Cup, if it wasn't for the, the all-star festivities in 2016, maybe Pekka doesn't stay here. You know, maybe he decides to go somewhere else. But our fans created so many special moments with him and for him 
that it became a natural for him to end his career here. And because he did end his career here, it was so natural to honor him immediately. I mean, a lot of yeah. times guys' numbers are retired, but it's a year, two years, three years, 20 years later. Right? Yeah. And for me, it was just, I mean, the day he spoke to me and, and, and David Poyle and told us what his intentions were, it was, all right, we know that we're retiring his number. We know we're going to erect the statue. We know we're going to celebrate our GOAT. I mean, the greatest Fred of all time is Pat right. And what I love about him, he hopes that's not the case in a year or five or 10 or 20. He, like like said, yeah, because I really hope there are 10 or 15 guys you could say that about. And, and that's what you want. But today, he is the greatest Fred ever because of what he did on the ice. I mean, he's, he has – it's funny where he ranks in almost every category. He's like 19th in everything like 19th and shutouts, 19th and wins, 19th and this. It's such an odd you know, commonality when you look at his stats, but he's also the winningest finish goalie ever. When you look at some of those other guys, it's a pretty impressive list. Um, and whether he finishes number one all time with us, wins and shutouts and all those other things is secondary because he is our back greatest. back to what player. you said. Like he, he kicked the door open and make sure it stay open. And I love yeah. that you said that. I mean, I think that, that to me – is your definition of a goat. And and Pekka was my goat to share on this episode because of what you just shared. He's yeah. the greatest Pred of all time today, but he's only kicked the door open in some of those stats. I mean, he's the regular season leader in games, 683, 667 starts, um, 369 wins, 60 shutouts, goals against leader, saves 17,627 and a 90, almost 92% save average. I mean, it's fascinating. And he was selected in the eighth round, which doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, this nice. guy is incredible. And for what he did off the ice all along, like the, the things people say about him is really fascinating. Really are. You know, I, I, I always got nervous doing interviews about him over the past year or so, whatever it's been, because you want to make sure you capture that as properly as possible, because the things he did in the community redefined the organizations he touched. Really does. You know, Best Buddies was a new chapter. You know, Barry Trotz basically started the chapter here, and it took on a whole nother level when Pekka put his name on it and, and fell in love with it. And he'll tell you it's the best thing that's happened to him, you know, not just the other people. Yep. And, you know, when he, when he and Shea formed the 365 fund, it changed what was possible for uh, Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital. So he's, he's amazing. Let's put a pause right there, and we're going to continue our conversation with Sean Henry and talking about chasing what we have to be the best at every day for Tyler Burnett and for John Byers and for Sean sitting there on the computer right at the, to the table. I'm Colby Jubenville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Boom. Um.